Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the final Build-Up of the year. God, I cannot believe this. It does make me sad if you've been listening to any of our other programming. Yes, I do not like that the shark season is coming to an end, but above all else, I am very happy that for the first time in a long time, We are getting in a full 82-game season for the San Jose Sharks, so that has been a big, big step in the right direction to get our world closer to normal. On today's edition of The Build-Up, we are going to look to the future, as we are now joined by Curtis Pashelka, who covers the Sharks for the San Jose Mercury News, as well as Bay Area News Group. Curtis, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Good, Ted. How are you? I'm doing very well, man. Just, uh, you know, we're at the end of it. It It is game 82, and while the entire painting is yet to be filled in we're obviously at a point where we can begin the post-mortem so i guess you know a thirty thousand foot view of the franchise right now after watching everything we saw this year like there's a lot to take in there's there's um you know the consistent injuries Derek carlson that's that's an issue there's a new gm that's on the way in the offseason we assume uh there's a big draft looming there's a glut of net minders like I, you know, I can keep on going if you like, but I don't think I have to. Like, where where do you go first when you're trying to look from the top down at everything that encompasses the San Jose Sharks after 81 games when this was recorded? Well, I think you look back. I mean, I think I think the Sharks um, wanted to sort of um, sort of make this a year where they could really make a, 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 a sort of a stab at the playoffs and get back in that in that hunt, but. You know, I think just everything kind of caught up to them at some point. You know, they did, you know, losing your leading score from last year, parting ways with, with your leading score from last season, the, the, sort of the lack of, of scoring depth, uh, you know, the injuries when they happen, you know, the young guys. I think that inexperience made caught up, caught up to them as well. So, you know, I was just looking it up. I mean, they were 21, 17, and 2 on January 16th or 17th after a win in over Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from that point forward, they went uh, three, eight, and five. And, you know, Eric Carlson got hurt right around that time and had surgery right around that time. And, and uh, you know, some of the other injuries kind of piled up too and the schedule and the inexperience. And they just got all, all caught up to the team. And, and uh, you know, they've kind of, uh, you know, just kind of... When you look at this time, I think when they look back, they'll say, you know, "I think this will be looked back as sort of a, a transitional year." So many young guys getting playing this season, you know, making their NHL debuts, rookies in the lineup. Um, so I think, I think, I, I think from the from the Sharks' perspective, they have to sort of look at this as another year of growth. 
and you know, hopefully they feel from their perspective that some of the some of the uh, younger guys and the experience that they're getting now will pay off in the long run. Um, you know, what moves they're making in, in, as far as the personnel goes that there remains to be seen, and coaching staff remains to be seen. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens here. But I think I think looking back when you look at this ABC game season, you have to look at it as sort of a another transitional year for the franchise. You know, it's interesting to hear and read some of the comments that people have made about the Sharks, and they're saying, you know, I wish they had done a, you know, full-blown rebuild, um, and the, you know, terminology that was used by the former GM, Doug Wilson, was reset. But, you know, it's it's interesting to juxtapose that ideology with what we've actually seen from the Sharks this year, because I think that they have their, their big money guys, and I think that in a post-pandemic world, that even if they wanted to move those contracts, I don't know that they could... A, but also B, you know, the other part of a rebuild is getting your young guys playing. And all we've seen this year is the Sharks playing more rookies and more inexperienced guys and getting that opportunity and that evaluation period in a way that we haven't seen in San Jose really ever, you know, at least in recent memory. And then, you know, they that is kind of the cornerstone of a of a rebuild, or one of them, I should say, is that you get as much time for the youth as possible. So it seems like one pretty big fast of that the Sharks were pretty committed to. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what had to happen as well. When you've got, uh, you know, in a salary cap system, a flat cap, you've got to have some young players come into the lineup and, and make an impact. And so, you know, guys on those entry level deals uh, to come in and, and uh, you know, you see towards the end of the season, you know, Scott Reedy has played well. He's, he's fine in the back of the net. Obviously, Thomas Borlo, and he's since his debut, uh, it's really kind of sparked uh, the bottom six to the third line with, with uh, Rudolph Falsers and, and Noah Gregor. And so you need those type of players to sort of come in and, and make an impact when you've got um, so many other players or a handful of other players taking up so many so much space on on the salary cap ledger. So um, so this is a, you know, it, the Sharks, I think they like what they see right now from, from some of these young guys and how how uh, how much of an impact they've, they've made this season, and you know what uh, what their ceilings might be going forward. Um, but still, I think I think you know when you know the, the young guys, you still need some other. In my opinion, you still need some other pieces here, and you know whether or not it's bringing another free agent, uh, making a trade in the off season, just clearing cap space so you can. Have more flexibility. I think it's going to be key for the Sharks in the offseason too. Yes, and I and I did want to touch on that momentarily, but first I wanted to go back on some of the young players we've seen because Noah Gregor's been good as of late. He's been finding the back of the net more. Thomas Bordalo, since he's come in, has obviously made an impact. We're watching Scott Reedy, but Curtis, as the the son of a sports broadcaster who spent a lot of time in press boxes. And around writers in particular, it was hammered home to me from a young age that you never judge a team or a player by the first month of the season or the last month of the season, regardless of the sport. And I could say, look at Jonathan Dolan's start versus everything thereafter. Look at Noah Gregor up to what we've seen as of late. And not that Noah Gregor isn't a good player, but suddenly he's finding the back of the nets more and more now. And do we... Do we have to, you know, take it all with a grain of salt, or do you think we're seeing more um, growth that will continue into the next year? Because, like I said, it is it is the final month of the season. Yeah, it's 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 kind of tough to say. I, I think I think there's there's some um, some optimism there, some room for optimism there when it comes to Noah Gregor and how he's playing. You know, he he was creating chances all season long, and it's just a matter of could he bury him mm-hmm. and. 
you know, he's finally sort of finding that scoring touch and doing what he feels he needs to do from that perspective. I think he's gotten a lot of help from the coaching staff. As far as, you know, just trying to uh, look for different ways to score and honing that scoring touch. And, and so I think, you know, like you're right, you don't want to put too, too much stock into what's going on here over the last two or three weeks, like you said. And in baseball, you have that <laughs> you have that thing too. You know, September call-ups don't believe in the two too much. you got to want to <laughs> see what happens the following year. But, um so, you know, I think I think there's some reason for optimism there. Um, that third line, you know, I, can, is that a third line you can believe in, you know, for next year? If you want to make an addition to the top six, mm-hmm. can, you, can you leave that third line alone and, and, and feel that they're going to be productive for 82 games? Or at least those three players could be productive for 82 games next season. Well, I, I guess that remains to be seen. But um, So, I don't know. I, I, I think these guys, I think they're, you know, they're, there's... It's better than the other way. Let's put it that way. Yes. It's better than, you know, uh, you know, uh, Noah Gregor and, and Rudolph Balsers, you know, continuing to, to struggle offensively. It's better than, you know, if Thomas Borla would come in and really been overwhelmed by the pace. He hasn't been. So that's a good sign for them. So, uh, so it's better this way than the other way, I guess. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yes, now. yes. No, I, mo- I most definitely agree. Um, and it, it will be interesting to see, you know, if that Balsers, Gregor, and Bordela line continues to next year because that does fascinate me. But looking at the additions that you would assume would have to be made to upgrade the offense because that was the clear and obvious issue. That also takes me to what we look at happening with the three netminders they have right now in terms of Aiden Hill, James Reimer, and Capo Kakinen. Um, you know, this is the obvious maybe area of strength where they will be able to make a trade or or maybe not. I mean, I, it's, you know, it's, it's really weird trying to judge the offseason right now just because it seems teams are not we don't really know what they're going to do. It's still pandemic finances have still impacted everything across the league. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we've got, like you said, you know, you got three goalies. They're not going to keep three goalies for the start of next season. Joe Wills indicated that you know, it's just too awkward uh, to, try, to try to do that. And so, you know, Aiden Hill, you know, I, he's been really good at times, mm-hmm. but can't, Stay healthy. That's the that's the, the question going forward. Um, you know, James Reimer is uh, has played very well too this season, but he's also 34. And and you know, when is that? When is his career? You know, is it at an apex now? Is it start to decline? We don't know. And, and he's battled some health problems too at, at times this year. Couple uh, Kakinen, is he ready to be sort of a one A or a one B type goalie mm-hmm. uh, for the? Sharks next season. That's still a little question mark. So there's no clear cut, you know, as far as answer goes. It says, okay, we're keeping these two guys for sure, and we're going to try to trade this other player. It's still a lot to, in my opinion, anyway, just a lot to sort of sort out with that. But, um, you know, I, I think the Sharks feel that uh, they will come out of next season and start next season with two goalies that they can believe in and whether or not that, that's, that's Coppel and James or if that's Coppel and, and Aiden, uh, you know, it still uh, remains to be seen. But, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, from either way perspective, like you, you can't play, you can't keep all three guys and you're going to have to trade one of them to, to first, you know, sort of alleviate the log jam there, mm-hmm. but also try to create some cast space too for the next season. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, I think obviously you, we could see something with the draft, uh, you know, that's always, 
a possibility. And then, you know, you would like to think that there, there's a chance it could be used to bring in another depth player and more experienced player. But that also, you know, it's here's the, the other aspect of this is like Kevin LeBanc missed the entire year and hopefully whatever the team said to Timo Meyer at the end of last year is a similar messaging that will be sent to Kevin LeBanc to try and get him back to what he was in 2018, 2019. Um, and then there's also, and it's probably not a popular idea, especially with Brent Burns, but as I look at Brent Burns now, you know, 37 years old and, you know, obviously the assists are there. The goal production is down. Eric Carlson, the injuries have been consistent it's going to be hard with Burns, but does there have to be more of a built-in rest or built-in minute restriction going into next year to try to increase the productivity of both players? Or is it just kind of, you know, that that's who Brent Burns is in particular? Because I think it's it's two very unique instances of where rest might benefit Burns versus where rest might benefit Carlson. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, you, you, you tend to think that maybe less could be more. Uh, with both players, um, you know, you know, can, Bur- can Brent Burns still play 27, 28 minutes a game, or you know, in that range, you know, throughout the whole season? That might be that might be a tall order to ask, but he keeps himself in, in really good shape. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think that uh, you know that's going to be an issue f- for him going forward with, with Eric Carlson. Um, you know, do you look at maybe? Uh, you know, even though he spent some time in the penalty kill in, in this year and in the past, is that a way maybe take some load off of his shoulders and start to put someone else in that role to sort of, you know, uh, alleviate uh, or just kind of cut down those minutes a little bit? Because you still want him, obviously, in the power play in all situations. And, uh, you know, it's might have five on five as much as possible. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the PK is the way to cut back those minutes. Um, you know, I'm also curious about you know whether some of these young guys are, are ready for uh, full time ready you know ready for uh, full time roles next year. Is a uh, Hataka can he come in? Is a Kanija going to be ready? Yeah, uh, to play full time next year. You know, what do they do with Mark Edward Vlasic in the in the summer? And he seems to be a prime candidate for potentially a buyout uh, if the Sharks want to go in that direction. That could be an option for them. Uh, so a lot to sort out with that decor, but. You're right. It starts, it starts at the top with, with Burns and Carlson and, and what, uh, what the Sharks might have in store for them uh, for next season. Yeah, I mean, with the Burns thing in particular, it's like even if they wanted to give him an off day, he's got the Ironman streak. And his pride is such that he's not just going to say, oh, OK, <laughs> that's that yeah. is that is not the Brent Burns that I have ever met uh, as of once, nor do I think that you have met that version of Brent Burns either. <laughs> um, you, you know, looking at the offense in terms of replicating what they got from Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle this year, is that realistic or is there still, you know, are their games still trending upwards? I mean, Timo's a little bit younger, so I, I suppose it could keep on trending upwards. I mean, Tomas Hurdle, when he's healthy, it seems like this is around the type of guy he could be. I, where do you view those guys next year? Well, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Timo Meyer could be another 30-goal guy uh, for next year. Maybe not exactly the stats he had this season, but um, I don't think it's a stretch to say he could be that guy on a, on a consistent basis for the next few years. Uh, for Tomas Hurdle, you know, it's all about for him just staying healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and uh, I think the Sharks are, are happy with how he performed mostly uh, throughout this season, especially not just from an offensive standpoint, but his, his, his two-way game is is working the face-off circle. He does a lot of different things for this team. 
uh, you know, we'll see you have a real chemistry, it seems like, and uh, that's a good place to start, uh, you know, for, for next season. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so I mean, I think I think those two guys are uh, definitely going to be the leaders again next year. And if you add a if you add a William Eklund, you know, coming into this mix in the top six, how does that affect uh, everybody else's game too? Like a Logan Couture and uh, you know, potentially uh, Alexander Barabanov if he comes back. Mm-hmm. So. You know, the more depth you add to this team, I think it's going to be better for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, it was just painfully obvious. I mean, the defense played well. The, the goalies did their jobs more often than not, and it was the offense that was coming up short time and time again. And, I, um, you know, I just I remember there was the stat. It was like there of the 10-game losing streak, um, you know, three were overtime or shootout losses, and then three more were one-goal losses, and then two more were one goal games with an empty netter added on. It was just like, that's, you know, the, there's a common culprit and it was the lack of scoring. Uh, but I mean, it was still entertaining, but I mean, clearly it was, it was the offense that was problem, um, you know, time and time again. Um, what, what do you look at in terms of realistic expectations next year for an Eklund and a Bordalo? Well, I, you know, I, 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 I it's so tough to say. I mean, I, I, you know, we look at William Eklund, you know, he hasn't played an 82 game season yet. And while he certainly has, it, the talent is undeniable and, and, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy who projects to be a top six player uh, for a long time. Like you do wonder how the grind of a season, a long season will be on him. He's not the biggest player either too. You know, the bumps and bruises, if those start to catch up, uh, you know, he's a guy that doesn't necessarily uh, put himself in a position to, to take big hits all the time. But you know, it is what it is. You know, the travel isn't easy with the Sharks, and you know, you play you play that long season like that. You got to put yourself in a real position to make sure you're you're available to, to play at the start of the season. You know, for for Borlo, you know, I um, you know, it's always a tough transition too for players coming out of college, uh, no matter how productive they might have been. Uh, you know, as uh, as a collegiate as a collegiate athlete, um, you know, I wonder. I do wonder if in, in Orlo's case, and maybe I'm just uh, maybe I'm alone on this, but if sometime with the Barracuda might prove beneficial to him in the long run. Obviously, that wouldn't that wouldn't be great from for the Sharks in the, in the short term. They could really use uh, a talented another talented centerman to, mm-hmm. to plug in there. But from his own personal growth and standpoint. You know, uh, do you want to, you know, is it better for him to to play in the American League or is it, do, you, do the Sharks just need him to, to stay up with the big club uh, from, from day one? So, because I just look at, you know, I look at uh, Jasper Weatherby this year. Yeah. You know, he's 23, 24 years old. He eventually starts to hit the wall and has to go down to the Barracuda. I look at John Leonard the year before, you know, big put up big, big numbers in college, UMass. Uh, started the season, but then you know started to fall off as well. And so, you know, what 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 does the what does the future hold for for Thomas Borlo? Is he kind of fall into that similar category, or is he a special special enough player where he can he can he can handle the grind and and uh, be a productive player for for six months? Uh, so, kind of curious about that. So, uh, you know, I think those guys, you know, Borlo and Eklund are going to add a lot to this team. And uh, in the years to come, as far as next season goes, maybe you have to temper the expectations a bit, just because it's such a such a long season that both players still have to sort of get used to that grind. 
Curtis, man, I appreciate your time as always. Obviously, it's going to be a very interesting summer uh, for the entirety of the Sharks offseason plans. I do hope there is some uh, time off for you in there because I know it is well earned. Keep on uh, keeping up the great work, man, and I will be bugging you again soon. All right. All right, you got it anytime. Again, that is Curtis Pashelka, Bay Area News Group, covering the Sharks, doing a phenomenal job. And now we get ready for the final game of the year at Seattle. This one gets underway at 7. Be sure to join Dan Rusinowski for pregame coverage at 6.30 right here on the Sharks Audio Network. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app. Presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.